Jesus, we just thank you for this amazing opportunity we have to meet together, to enjoy this amazing weather outside, this cool breeze, this bird singing, uh, the beauty of this park. We just ask that through today, through our conversations, through our uh, just this message and inspiration about you, that each of us just leaves feeling uplifted, feeling your love, feeling your acceptance, your embrace that it inspires us, it fuels the week ahead for all of us, and draws us closer together and closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, uh, I want to start by reading just a portion of this First John 4 verse that is on the sheet in front of you. It says, this is the embodiment of true love, not that we have loved God first, but that he loved us. Um, I've uh, got a bunch of wedding is coming up in the next two months and so you spend time with couples and uh, especially when you're if you're helping counsel or things like that to figure everything out ahead of time you definitely they're getting married because they love each other it's not because this is the right financial move or that all the math lines up or this is a, a good match for their uh, hobbies or things like that there's there's some underlying love that's causing you to make to some people, a crazy decision. To others, like the best decision you could make, it's it's causing you to do something bold and daring, to say the least. Um, and it's really interesting to see what people will go through, what people will compromise in the name of love. Like how much stuff they're willing to fade through, go through, whatever. Um, I've heard so many people ask lately. Uh, they're trying to figure out why they should follow Jesus, or if they should, or ask me why I follow Jesus. Um, if you've ever Googled it, I do not suggest Googling it, because at least the first page of articles is, is horrible. It's horrible on the reasons why. I mean, it really is. like super dense, dumb theological reasons, or not, to be honest, that whole first page of Google, nothing seemed to line up with like legitimately that would make someone be like yes this sounds like the choice to make unless you're possibly a robot and neglecting other things at the same time but I don't know about you but I even in my own reading I find I've got to even pick up just a book just about Jesus just himself just stories insights into who he is what he's like what makes him like at least once or twice a year just to Remember to dive into that, to get something back. Um, because the love is the answer for me. I can't put it in theological terms. I can't. Actually, when we start getting into some of that kind of stuff, to be honest with you, it almost pushes me the other way. Like, it almost is like, no, I, I don't want anything to do with this. But love is what brings me back. This sense of love that I've felt uh, from God, Jesus, the divine, whatever word you're using right now, is more than anything tangibly I've experienced outside of that, or even just amplify something I've felt. And so, I don't know, if you ask each one of us here why you follow, what is it about Jesus, I'm sure the answer is going to be different for all of us. It's, uh, some of us it's going to be pure reason. Some of us it's even going to be selfish desires because there was tons of answers even on the Google page are like, it's what he does for me. Like, I get security no matter what. And you're like, okay, I, until something bad happens, you think you have complete security. Or, you know, it's, it's uh, 
to the, even the point where I've had friends that say, you know, like, they know that they'll always get the closest parking spot because Jesus loves them. And you're like, okay, it's, it's, uh, God is like a genie and you just rub the Bible, I guess, for him, just right, and out come your wishes. But there's, there seems to be something more than that. And I mean, the sad thing is that even we know, and we've talked about the last couple of weeks, that even our own religion and people who claim to follow Jesus use even fear as the reason. Well, he's the king, and I don't want to do wrong by him and get in trouble or have something bad happen to me or whatever. And so, like, that's a fantastic reason. Like, it's, you start watching, I've been watching Game of Thrones a little bit lately because I have friends watching it, and so I'm trying to catch up. Like, that, it, half these guys remind me of the Jesus other places are pitching. You're like, okay, he's just another ruler that if you're really nice to him, he'll take care of you. And if you slip once, like, you're just going to be beheaded or get, like, some kind of holy outrage or something. And so it just drives me back to love. And so I wanted to talk about that because it's, it's what I celebrate. It's what I can talk about. It's, it cuts through so much other stuff. Um, and I know people are like, okay, we're going to talk about God's love, Luke. Really? Again, I think we are all past that. But the scriptures really make it seem like this is something that, that is a constant, that we need a constant reminder of. Just over and over and over. Just to let the words... It, there's even parts of psalms that talk about it like a poem like it's almost like a healing oil as we hear this message of god's love and his goodness like that just heals anything that's broken that gives us courage that just helps us come to like a different place in our life and so yes we're gonna try to talk about it again uh we're going to try to let it soak in if it even just even need to have your eyes closed at times during today's talk to to really tangibly think about what we're saying and talk about it's not a bunch of to-dos or life changes or how do we do this although we'll ask a couple questions right before discussion it's just letting it soak in and first john 4 10 that this is the embodiment of true love that he loved us first not that we love him it's being pursued by someone who loves you, someone who wants to prove to you that he loves you. And you're like, this is what it's all about, is just accepting that love. Not trying to earn it, not trying to, but just trying to get um, immersed in it. Even baptism to me uh, seems like such this moment in our faith when we're like, you know what, I, I need something tangible to remind me of what's happening that I can go back to and put my hands on that feeling of being immersed in the water, that I am, uh, passages talk about being dying to self and being completely immersed in God's love and, and coming from that and then having something tangible that you can remember, that experience, that moment that like, yes, I am immersed in God's love. First John 4 is our passage today and we'll go back to this at the end again and this is, we're just reading farther of what is in your notes. That God sent his only son to the world so we could find true life through him. So there is life and he says he'll give us life abundantly. But he says, this is the embodiment of true love, not that we loved God first, but that he loved us and sent his unique son on a special mission to become the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So my loved ones, if God loved us so sacrificially, surely we should love one another. No one has ever seen God with human eyes. But if we love one another, God truly lives in us. And consequently, God's love has accomplished its mission among us. Think about that. If we love one another, if we... Think about him loving us first. This accomplishes his mission among us. This is how powerful this one thought, this one phrase, this one thing that is so easy to skirt off as, yes, we've talked about that, or I get that. This accomplishes the full mission of everything we've been talking about. 
It says, we can be sure that he truly lives in us and that we are truly living in him by one fact he has given us his Holy Spirit. There's something on the inside that connects with this, that says, yes, I sense that God is with me, that God loves me, that God's among us, that something is going on. This Holy Spirit says, it reminds us, it testifies us, it, it helps us realize this connection. For me, when it really comes down to everything, it's, uh, there's so much of God becoming human to understand us. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, uh, and I use the New International Version here because I like the words a little better. We don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet did not sin. So let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. He's un- he understands our weaknesses. He empathizes with us. Anytime we screw up or make a mistake or hurt someone intentionally or accidental, he says, I know what you're feeling right now. I know what you're going through. That is huge to me. That it's not just this intellectual understanding. It's the, I wanted to come and walk in your shoes to understand. And we've talked so many times about trying to love our neighbor better or someone we don't know, a stranger. And this is one of these ways, this walk in the shoes. And he demonstrates this same example for us. I wanted to walk in your shoes. I wanted to experience what it's like to be human so that I can understand, I can empathize, I can sympathize, I can resonate with human frailty, with weakness, with what's going on. That's huge to me. So many times people's description of God just seems aloof, like he just doesn't know. And this is that one that cuts through everything that says, no, he walked in our shoes. And not just our shoes, this verse is written for everyone. Rich, poor, young, old, slave, free. He says, I can experience, I can sympathize with what you're going through, with what your weaknesses are. I walked in your shoes. Human love has so many restrictions. I mean, at least for me, there's ends, there's boundaries, there's there's stuff that that make it that that make it up that protect myself from things, but God's love is so immense. There's no boundary, there's no end to it. It encompasses every single living creature, person, even the earth as itself. There's this perfect love that we see talked about. There's two stories that kind of start to describe how far God's love goes. Because Jesus is our clearest example of God. In the scriptures it says he reveals God to us better than we've ever seen anything else. He kind of starts to um, stitch together missing pieces, clear up misconceptions. Uh, and so we see this, this, these two stories of Jesus loving people who everyone else said was either unlovable or unclean or not worthy. In this one, in Mark Chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. I don't have it on here because it's too big to put in there. But it says, At Levi's house, many tax collectors and other sinners, Jews who did not keep to the strict purity laws of the Jewish holy texts, were dining with Jesus and his disciples. Jesus had attracted such a large following that all kinds of people surrounded him. When the Pharisee scribes saw who shared the table with Jesus, and this is like the religious elite, they were quick to criticize they said to his disciples, if your master is such a righteous person, then why does he not eat and dr- then why does he eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners and the worst among us? And Jesus overheard them and says, people who have their health don't need to see a doctor, only those who are sick do. I'm not here to call those who are already in good standing with God. I'm ca- here to call sinners to turn back to him. 
It's this reframing of, I'm not here to just be pious and just to eat with the elite. I'm here to get dirty. I'm here to eat with people that you won't eat with. That those who think that they're unlovable, who think that there's no hope, to bring them back to him. Not to help them find God, it's back to him. The words here are key. He's always thought that we're his children, that we're all together. That, and we're being, every human being is seen to him as his child. And because they don't understand his love, he's drawing them back to them. He's not trying to convince them or paint a picture. His love, his way of eating with them, dining with them, is drawing them back. If Jesus was here today, there's not one of us that he wouldn't have next to him hanging out. There's no mistake you've made too big, no mess you're going to do, no outburst you could make at the dinner table, even if you're pissed and have a million questions to answer him that are going to turn him off to that. And there's another story in Luke that's similar in Luke 7, verse 36 through 50, it says there was a Pharisee named Simon, again, one of these religious elite, that invited Jesus to be a guest for a meal at his house. And the voice says, picture this, just as Jesus enters the man's home and takes his place at the table, a woman from the city, a notorious woman of ill repute, follows him in. She's heard that Jesus will be at this Pharisee's home, and so she comes in and approaches him, carrying an alabaster flask of perfumed oil. She begins to cry. So she kneels down and her tears fall on Jesus' feet and she starts wiping his feet with her own hair and then she kisses his feet and she pours the perfumed oil on them. And Simon, this religious elite thinking, now I know this guy is a fraud. If he were a real prophet, he would have known this woman is a sinner and he would have never let her get near him, much less touch him or kiss him. Again, this is this understanding of just God's too great to be among the least of us, like this this sense that seems to permeate so many of us that he's not willing to stoop down for anyone and love them. Uh, and Jesus, knowing what the Pharisee was thinking, says, Simon, I want to tell you a story. He says, two men owned a certain lender a lot of money. One owned a thousand weeks wage or a hundred weeks wages and the other owned ten weeks wages. Both men defaulted on their loans, but the lender forgave them both. And so here's the question for you. Which man will love the lender more? And Simon replies, well, I guess the one would be the one who was uh, forgiven more. And Jesus says, good answer. And he turns around and he's facing the woman. He says, do you see this woman here? It's kind of funny. I entered your home. You didn't provide a basin of water for me to wash the dust from my feet. You didn't give me the customary kiss greeting of welcome. You didn't offer me the common courtesy of providing oil to brighten my face. But this woman has wet my feet with her own tears and washed them with her own hair. She hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. And she's applied perfume to my feet. This woman has been forgiven much and she is showing much love. But the person who has shown little love shows how little forgiveness they have received. And he turns to the woman and says, your sins are forgiven. And Simon and his religious friends muttering to this, now, why does this guy, who does this guy think he is? He has the audacity to claim the authority to forgive sins. And Jesus says to the woman, your faith has liberated you. Go in peace. There's so much of the scripture that is turning conventional wisdom completely upside down. Things we think are cultural norms. Things we think should happen. And Jesus just displays the absolute opposite. His love doesn't seem to have any boundaries to it. There isn't a person he's willing, not willing to, to entertain to be with to love on no matter what they've done no matter how ill repute no matter what anyone else thinks he doesn't care what society thinks of him what it looks like that he's dining with someone that he has this person kissing on his feet he's not worried at all he's just there to love 
how many times have we bought into conventional wisdom, earth wisdom, American wisdom on how or what love should look like or even what God looks like instead of really diving into these extreme examples of how far he's willing to go for any one of us. And so as we listen to these stories, we've got to put ourselves in this. What, what have I thought at times was unlovable about me? What have I thought at times was keeping God away? What have I thought at times was just too much? Or where have I even thought he was too little by judging someone else's thoughts, actions, feelings, what they look like? And instead of realizing how big and how amazing God's love is, this example for us. Again, it says he came to give us life and to, come to give us life abundantly. But this life doesn't come with pink limousines and the biggest screen TVs and the... And not saying that he's saying to throw all that away, but what he comes to bring is so much deeper. It's so spiritual and emotional. And even hearing his words, it says it's like a healing salve to us. There's something more that this kind of life that we're experiencing him. Mark 10.45 says, Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to be a servant, to offer his life as a ransom for others. And this is echoed. There's several verses that say this exact same thing in the New Testament. And we see examples of even the disciples. There's, the, there's two disciples whose mom even talks to Jesus. And she's like, what do I got to do to make sure these guys are at your right hand and left hand when they get to heaven? And he's like, you just don't understand the kingdom at all. He gives us examples of the person who wants to be the first at the table. And it's like, no, it's better to be the one who's seated last. There's something about this serving first. And he says, I've made this example. I'm here only to serve, not to be served. Now think of the way we think of God and Jesus and even our own actions towards him. He's saying, I'm here to serve you, not to be served. How much religion is telling us how to serve God correctly, how to do these things. He's like, I'm here to serve you. This is what kind of love he's demonstrating. And this kind of exceptional, pure love is what causes us to change in the inside. When you're touched with something this beautiful, this pure, this holy and divine, there's, there's power, there's glory, there's something that happens that changes us that allows us to see ourselves more truly as we were meant to be. And we see ourselves in these actions. We say, this resonates with who I am. Because he says, I've made you in my image. This is the same way you've been made. You're not a sinner needing to be fixed up. You're my child who lost their way. And it's not your own fault. It's society or whatever else. And he's like, I'm here to woo you back. I'm here to bring you back. I'm here to help you see yourself differently. But it's from this perfect love, not what we can give him. He's here and he's in it for what he can give us, how he can serve us. His love doesn't stop at even just sinners or ill repute. He even suggests to us in a bold statement that we've had a hard time wrestling with our whole lives because it comes up in discussion. This, love your enemies. It's, it doesn't stop at the ones you love. He says, even an evil person loves their family and their friends. He's like, but who's going to go as far as to start loving the person that hates you or the person that you hate, loving your enemies? And he gives us this amazing example. On Jesus' last night, he has supper with the disciples, and he goes to the garden to pray, and all of a sudden the soldiers show up with one of his good friends, Judas, who kisses him to betray him. Peter gets angry and cuts off this one guard's ear to try to protect Jesus. And Jesus takes this ear of the man who's going to go take him away to beat him and kill him. And he heals him. And he shows us that it's not about retribution. It's not about vengeance. It's not about fighting. This person who's, who's here to cause him extreme pain, he's showing us we're 
supposed to love everybody, even the one right in front of us, wielding the sword, the knife, the gun, the harsh words. And it's, yes, it's an example for to follow, but before it's an example to follow, it's a love that we need to soak in. It's a love that we need to understand that he's this loving, and he's this loving towards us as well as everyone else. And once it soaks in, once we really let it permeate, that's the only chance that we can mirror that, that we can reflect it, that we can give that back, that we can be that love, that we can be that light, that we can shine that in our society. And this will illuminate the darkness. This will cause something to stand out amongst all the rest of the cloudiness or confusion or trouble or pain or sorrow that we see around us. This kind of love makes a mark. It's free to all, he says. It's a gift so that no one can boast. No one can say, I earned this. My family name earned this. My practices or my love or even my devotion to Jesus himself. He's like, it's free to every single person. None of you can earn a drop more of this or none of you can do anything that will cause me to take a drop away. We need to understand this kind of love. And again, be reminded that this is who you are. This isn't who you're supposed to try to be. If we try hard, we can maybe be like Jesus. This is who we're created to be. There's this passage, I think it's in Peter, where he says when God is finally revealed to us, when we actually see him face to face, we will be just like he is because we will finally clearly see all who he is. And what that looks like, if it inspires us, if it takes away things, where we finally see ourselves completely in him, where you're like, oh my God, I am this. This is who you are. This is how big your love is. And this is how big I am. This is how big my love is. But he says, we'll be perfected in this moment of finally seeing what he's like. Being pursued by God is what makes me follow. This kind of love, this, this kind of loving your enemies and people who are detestable, this challenges me. This makes me excited. In the midst of the hardness, um, I, I, I've got a homeless friend that I've been hanging out with for two years who... Uh, can be a great friend some days and can be extra fun other days. And I get a call from the bar where I work just yesterday and it's, it's him on the phone and he's at my workplace and he thought I would be there and he wants free food and he wants me to convince someone for free food. And you're like, Oh my goodness, this is like, it's coming to work. It's whatever. And I am like super nervous about this situation. And so after I'm done on the phone with him, I call back and to apologize. And the guy, the bartender who answers the phone just he says, don't worry about it. He's like, I was super pumped to meet this guy. And he's like, it just seemed right that this would be someone who would be a friend of yours. And I, and, but in a good way, that was just like, he's like, I'll, I'll figure out something for him. And like, we don't do that kind of stuff, but he's willing to help him out. And I'm like panicking, like, oh goodness, I do not want this to come back and hurt me. Yet there's something about love that's bigger than all that kind of stuff. It energizes me. It gives me hope. It fuels me to do more good than just Luke in itself can do, but the Luke that was created in Christ, that, that Luke that sees how I, the potential that's inside of me. I, once we start glimpsing the potential that's inside of us, the love potential that God has, there's, there's no hiding from it. Once you know it's there, there's something inside that wants to use it, that wants to be our true selves. And it's amazing to experience that, to be a part of a community where we experience it and we remind ourselves every week that we love each other the way Jesus loves us. There is a passage, even though the one we read earlier says, no one has seen God with human, or Jesus with human eyes, 
But he says, if we take our place, if each of us start loving one another and we become the body of Jesus, not separately, but each of us together playing a part, cooperating, bringing something to the community, it shows the rest of the world an image of God that they had not seen. I want to be a part of that. I'm excited to be a part of that with you. So why have you chosen to follow Jesus today? Maybe you don't know. Maybe you're on a journey of finding that answer. I, to be honest, I, it, it's, it still is a journey for me. It still is asking, is it pure? Why are my reasons reminding myself? Uh, and I had to ask myself, what have I set up in my life to always remind me of this? I'm reminded of the Jesus books I told at the beginning that I, I try to read every year. Right now I'm reading one by uh, Philip Yancey. The Jesus I Never Knew, and it's just a deeper dive into the life and the characteristics of Jesus. And to be honest, sometimes books like that will fuel my faith in my life more than uh, any other part of scripture because it's solely Jesus. We're just getting saturated in him. So how have you set up your life so that you're always reminded, inspired, rejuvenated, saturated in the thought of this love for you? I want to finish with... First John, again, the one that we've been reading, and go up to verse 7. He says, My loved ones, let us devote ourselves to loving one another. Love comes straight from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and truly knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Because of all this, the love of God is a reality among us. Everyone who loves is born of God and truly loves God. There's something about loving the people next to you, loving your neighbor, loving the stranger, even loving your enemy, that will help you to even experience and know God on a deeper level that is hard to comprehend, it's hard to put words to. But when it happens, when you experience that, when you have that effect in your life, no one can take it away. You know it's true. There's something that resonates at the core. Paul writes about it being like a fire that, that burns into your heart something that's going on. And so let us do that together as a community. Let's continue to remind each other of God's love. Let's, let's not let a week go by that we don't think of what can I bring, even if it's a hug or a handshake or a telling someone I liked what they shared or giving our thoughts and discussion to keep reminding each other to be a community of grace and of love and of acceptance so that people can touch and feel and experience and know that for themselves. Jesus, we just thank you for this needed reminder for each and every one of us. Your scripture said that the Holy Spirit will testify to each and every one of us. We'll know that you are with us and we will know of your love because of your spirit. And so we just ask that each one of us, fresh today, this next week, these days ahead of us, just would experience your Holy Spirit comforting, loving us, accepting us, that it would be a tangible experience that each and every one of us have that no one can take away. That we, through that, can find ourselves being your hands and feet and mirroring you and being the love of God that will change the world around us. We just ask that through discussion and prayers and our times hanging out today that, that we do just find hope and encouragement. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.